0: Because we don't have as much money as because we, we spent it all building.
1: Yeah, you're not yeah. struggling like you're per, per, portraying it as much. And, and that to me feels more dishonest.
0: I don't know how to say this. I think sometimes people expect your life to play out like a TV show where everything is neat and tidy. Now we're doing things that cost millions of dollars. I had to stop watching you because I was dealing with resentment.
1: Like that actually hurts. I don't know how else to say it.
0: I'm like, that makes me want to cry just thinking about it. If you actually look at what a prepper does, it's me. I'm it. I don't want to incite like a giant eye roll here.
1: So last week's episode of the Goldshaw Farm podcast generated quite a bit of discussion related to how our farm is viewed in the public sphere, as well as some of the critique that comes out of it. And while I thought the discussion was really, really good and I really appreciated Karina for coming on and being willing to share her unfiltered perspective, things in the comments got a little bit heated and because of some personal attacks I felt like we're crossing a line, I decided to shut down comments on that episode. But despite dealing with that disappointment, I was actually really appreciative of the comments of so many of you and the perspective of so many of you. And I very much expect that today's episode might go down a similar road generating a whole heck of a lot of discussion. Ow, Ginny, ow. Ginny Barn cat just crawled on me. Because in today's episode, I'm having a conversation with a good friend of mine whose farm is somewhat similar to my own. You see, early on back like in 2018, when I started posting videos about our farm on the internet, I actually made friends with a woman who was doing something similar. She and her husband lived down in Arkansas and she liked to talk a lot about her goats and she liked to talk a lot about her garden. And at that point in time, even though we had a lot of very distinct differences, we struck up a friendship, which has lasted several years. And even though we lived a good distance away and probably like a year and a half into our friendship when we even actually met face to face, for me, this friend has been just such a wonderful person to connect with. And given last week's topic about having a farm that you put out on the internet and the challenges that relate to it, you know, we had the perspective of a viewer like Karina I thought it would be a nice flip side to sit down with my friend and have a conversation about the same exact topics and really get her perspective and a second opinion on what it's like to put your videos on the internet. And for those of you guys watching the video version of this podcast, you'll notice Ginny Barncat is going crazy on me here in the barn. So today we're doing exactly that. You see, my friend Jessica Sowards of Roots and Refuge Farm, which used to be in Arkansas but actually is now in South Carolina, she was nice enough to sit down with me and have a conversation that we agreed was going to be completely unfiltered and go in some directions that neither of us traditionally talk about publicly.
0: We're in the middle of a challenge where we're not going to the grocery store, so it's been six weeks since I've done any regular grocery shopping. But it's really pushed me to like use the food off the farm, and I'm going to try to apply that as much as possible to Thanksgiving, which is going to be interesting.
1: Now, no, why are you doing that?
0: Um, to be inspired. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I I know I've shared this with you, but people might not know it. Um, I'm actually like diagnosed with ADD. Like I have. I have a hard time sometimes staying engaged with monotonous tasks. And a farm is like the epitome of monotony as far as doing the same thing over and over, season after season, year after year. And of course, cooking for a big family, it can get to be kind of a lot sometimes. And I get, I struggle with burnout really bad. So sometimes I have to like push myself a little bit more and and create a challenge where there might not be one. And so for me, like quitting the grocery store um it's been so engaging because it's it's made me have to change a lot of the things that were on autopilot and it pushes me deeper into what i believe which is that we should grow our own food but you know convenience wins out sometimes and taking that away is it's been a good challenge it's helped like revive the fire of, of real food for me
1: it's interesting like I find I, I have to do a similar thing with the farm where it's like tackling a new project, whether it's a new animal or a new business or like like some different thing I'm doing. Like if I'm not doing that in year six and it's the same projects and activities yeah. as in year five, it's like, I don't know if I'll be around in year seven. like <laughs> I, I feel like I have that fear.
0: Yeah. I think you said something to me where you said, I have a tendency to do the thing I'm most excited about. And like, that's it for me. Like I will dive headlong into whatever is exciting me the most. Um, And so sometimes I have to manufacture some excitement and it's just intentionality. I mean, it's the same thing. Like Jeremiah, I've been married for 13 years now. And so we have to, we have to make days and date days and to go, we learn new things together. Like, you know, you have to manufacture some engagement if you're going to do the same thing over and over for a long time at least i do so
1: <laughs> no i'm 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 100% there and and, yeah. and i i actually think that lately for me personally i've been like struggling with this one a lot where like like if i look back 5 years ago my dream was to be able to be on this farm and work on this fa- farm full time and not have a day job and not worry about any of that stuff and just you know be out there taking care of my animals and working on the land and making video like that was like a dream I would love to do that sounds awesome and like yeah now I'm almost done with doing two full years of that and I'm in this place of like well what's next like what do I do where do I go and and it's kind of a struggle a little bit
0: yeah you know for us when we started our YouTube channel we were building our first farm we were a few years in and You know, the first few years of, like, bumbling through and making really terrible mistakes, that wasn't on camera. Like, sometimes I think that's mercy that it wasn't on camera. Oh, I've
1: got so many of those videos I can just look back on. It's great.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, But there was a lot of first. There was a lot of discovery, a lot of new, a lot of learning. And then we moved to a whole new property. And so then we had at least another like solid year of like building and this, and then we got cows and it was like the first cap, the first this, but at some point about a year in, so, you know, year, two, year and a half ago, I realized that I was really grasping for the discovery still. And I realized like that a shift had to be made. And again, like I liken it to marriage. I mean, Y'all have been married for quite a while now. Yeah we're, we're, like, we're, yeah, we're
1: 12 years, 12, so we're not too far. Yeah, about married, about the guys, exact so, same. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I mean, there's this point where it's not new and discovery anymore, and romance is different and it's familiar and it's safe and it's secure and it's steady. And like, that's actually way more valuable in the grand scheme of things. Now, you have to be intentional to stay connected and do new things and all of that. But I saw that there was a shift into that with my relationship with my farm, just like I had to kind of ease into that in marriage and in old friendships and in places like that. And I don't know, I, I like I like in my farm now to like broken in leather, you know, like it's comfortable, it's molded, and I can value that. But I still do have to like, I have to have the date nights. I have to to have the new things, you know, that the points of discovery and excitement.
1: I totally know what you mean. Like, um, I just added uh, about a week and a half ago a new duck to the farm. First new yeah. duck that I added that, that I have not what? hatched. <laughs> like, like I'm trying to think. It's it's been at least two or three years that I haven't hatched a duck. That's a new duck on the farm. Like wow. every like I haven't imported anything. And like he's like a call duck, so he's tiny. He's yeah. not like what you would bring to a farm at all. And I've just loved having him around because it's like, wow, this guy's a little bit of a change of pace. This is fun. Yeah, and. and Yeah, you do have to do that or else it does kind of feel like it's the same thing over and over and over again.
0: I wonder, too, if being a content creator kind of adds to that, because it's not just that I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm also showing the same thing over and over again. I'm teaching the same things over and over again. And like, I get a little lost in that sometimes. I actually just recently announced that I've decided to get goats again now, This is something that Jeremiah and I have been discussing and chewing on for months now. And it's been a very steady, like, slow decision because I didn't want to do anything impulsively. Um, But my hope for that, and it's, again, it's that intentionally choosing to maintain connection, is that our farm is, like, so beyond me sometimes. Like, it's big. Like, we're doing all these big things. we. We essentially have this home dairy, like many families get milk from us. We have all this food we're growing. It's great. I love providing for people, but it is not the small romantic homestead that I once dreamed streamed of. It's, it's grown past that. And I realized that like the goats were something that I managed, that I loved. And I'm like, I need something small. I don't want a huge goat herd. I don't want to make milk for the community. I just want like two or three does that I can hand milk and have close relationship with, and just kind of return to that, you know?
1: So last week's episode of this podcast was a conversation with a woman who's been watching our YouTube videos for years, since like 2019. And her biggest criticism was, it seems like you just keep adding things and things keep getting bigger and bigger. But like the constraints of most of us who have small homesteads and farms, you don't seem to have to deal with that. That doesn't seem right. And that seems kind of almost dishonest. And in the conversation we had, and it was a really great conversation, I and like, I'm so super appreciative that she took the time to like sit down and chat with me about it. Yeah. But it, it really got into this idea of when we all start out, like I know when you started out, when you guys started out, like I know we've talked about this before, you were, it was an extremely humble beginning. Like yeah. it was a struggle. It was a lot of risk. There was a lot of heartache. I mean, it wasn't easy for you, right? Nope. Not at all. I mean, and and I mean, for, for us, like, I feel like I, I was sort of luckier where it was like I was coming, you know, kind of more Green Acres style where I had money, I had resources. So I wasn't struggling to pay the bills, but I was doing something that was completely unnatural that I had no background in. And I was trying to do it while working a full time job, while also starting a farm, while also making video, like doing all of this at once. And like that was a struggle, too. Yeah. But now... I mean, if you look at either of our lives, right, on paper, they're much easier than they were, say, five years ago.
0: Oh, sure. Definitely. I mean, I, people have said people have said the very same thing to me. It's gotten so big, I don't relate anymore. But to that, I would say I've been honest and authentic at the cost, maybe, of being relatable, but this is the actuality of the situation. But it's definitely it. In a lot of ways, it's easier. But then it's like brought up this conflict in me of like, I I want the small romantic homestead. I want to relate. <laughs> you know, what? Well, c- yeah. c- completely. I mean,
1: like I was actually trying to. Ex- I I use the um, and I think Jeremiah would appreciate this one. But I use the analogy of it's like a cheat code in a video game where. <laughs> Like, yeah, I have resources from, you know, AdSense revenue so that I could build my barn and I can hire folks to build my barn versus like the probably, you know, aluminum tent poles and plastic tiki that I'd build myself if I was left to my own devices and resources. (laughs) Like, and, yeah, that's not what everybody has. And so I feel like, yes, I have to be honest about it. But, yeah, there is that sacrifice where people say, oh, gosh, let's just look. Another homesteader spending all sorts of money on all yeah. sorts of fancy equipment and stuff. And it's just not realistic anymore. And that that's the dilemma. You
0: know, you know Morgan, it's kind of funny because, like, the whole grocery store thing. And I, I want to word this in such a way, and I know for a lot of people, I feel like sometimes I'll say, I don't want to incite, like, a giant eye roll here. But... We did we did get YouTube and we did start doing really well on YouTube and we started making more money than we'd ever made before. And prior, the idea of spending $500 to like start something new was genuinely felt completely impossible to where people watched us build this farm. Now, logistically, we sold our old home. We took everything that we had and threw it in here. You'll notice we're not building that fast anymore because we don't have as much money as we did cuz we spent it all building. Another thing, there are, like, things that I want to explain relatability-wise. Like, I mean, we live in an incredibly low cost of living. My entire farm costs less than what a lot of people's little houses or townhouses in a neighborhood cost in other places. But all of that said, like, it has pushed me. It's presented a new challenge to, to when you can have whatever you might want on a whim, Sometimes you then have to push yourself even further to learn to ask, what should I do? Not what can I do? What should I do? What, you know, and that was the thing with the goats. I could have just gone and bought some goats. I could have done it just on a whim, which to some people go, I wish I could do that. And I'm like, you should, you should know that that comes with its own challenge.
1: Must you know? be nice. <laughs> it must be nice. <laughs> you
0: know." And I'm like, I, I get it. And so you almost like it, I think it's a stewardship thing, you know, like when you get to where you're stewarding a lot more, and you have the capacity, it, I used to be driven by what can I do? What do I have the resources to do? Now I have to look at it and it's I'm not driven by what do I have the money to do as much? I mean, that's still that that is actually still very much a consideration for us. But it's also what do I have the time to do? What do I have the attention to do? What is this going to cost me elsewhere? Time wise, you know, and I don't get to make impulsive decisions. We were way more impulsive when we were broke because when the money would come and was jump on it, do it right now, you can afford to. Whereas now we have to be way more steady and thinking through all the implications of decisions. I don't make nearly as many reckless decisions now that I could afford to do a bunch of stuff because I actually have to think about all the other things. You know? Right. Well,
1: I, I think that that's a really good point. and And I mean, like, I think the last thing either of us want is this to come off as like, people not grateful for the blessings and privilege oh. that we have but it's like it's also saying well there is a trade-off and there is something that happens when you get those resources and and i actually i i look out there and see kind of other situations right where people will almost like pretend like they don't have that yet yeah, it's like you know yeah. how many views they're getting a month and you know certain right. things you're like yeah you're not yeah. struggling like you're per- per- portraying it as much and and I, That to me feels more dishonest than being like, yeah, I'm able to, you know, put a couple hundred thousand dollars into building a barn. And that's, you know, I feel very lucky to be able to do that.
0: I I think for me, that's the biggest thing. And that in sharing all of this, honestly, is that I'm, I cannot lie. Like I, I'm not going to present something that's not real. That was a kind of a promise that I made to myself when I came into content creation I need to be authentic because anything else is really not sustainable. And if I want to do this for any period of time with any longevity and any sort of legacy, it has to be authentic. And so when we moved here, I told everybody, we're going to build this farm really fast. It's going to feel overwhelming to a lot of people. It felt overwhelming to me. But the reason I did it was because I needed to get these this handled so that we can make our own food, so we can move on to our community efforts. I really want to leverage what we have into something valuable for other people, but I had to cover the basis first and make my farm productive, which we did. And then in the midst of that, I had to stop and reassess because it's like, okay, we're feeding many families. We're doing something really great. We're building businesses that are going to provide a lot of resources for a community But man, I miss, I miss the small romantic. And so then it's, I have to make another adjustment here, think it through and figure out where can I reconnect and be intentional to like enjoy my broken in leather farm, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh, completely. I mean, this is like the dilemma I have for my farm plans for 2024. And I'm in that like stage right now where it's like, you know, I just processed pigs. I'm just like winding down like pretty much everything. All the birds are now living in their winter quarters. I'll move the cattle down probably in a week or two. Um, So what's next? And I've had this dilemma of, well, if I'm really thinking about it just in terms of keeping it fresh and scaling up the farm and adding new businesses, I should add sheep. That's the thing I should probably do. But if I'm also saying, well, what do I really want to do? And do I really want to be chasing sheep around? Or do I just focus on getting better with raising cattle or doing something like that? Does that make more sense? And it's like that debate and that dilemma is part of the battle. And then the other part is like, I know I'm at capacity. And so there's certain things I got to stop doing because if I only want this to be a one person farm, like I don't want to have, I mean, like I, I, you know, I know your operation and I know you guys have like folks who help you and support you. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I've managed people before as a job. I don't want to do that anymore. Like that's not what I'm shooting for. So how do I keep this so that I can be the one to go out and do my chores every day and make that a core part of my life? It's like, those are the trade offs I'm now dealing with versus say five years ago when I'm like, how do I squeeze two more hours out of this week so that I can get all this stuff done that I have to get done because I'm stretched in too many different places. Yeah, a- and it's a luxury for sure, but it it is it doesn't make it any harder of a choice.
0: Right. No, I think that's I think that's true. I think again. I mean, this just really reiterates the point that like homesteading, farming, anything life, it's not one size fits all, and people really need to be able to, one, assess their goals regularly and then assess what they're doing and change it. Like we have this beautiful option of changing our mind and changing our plan and doing what works for us. I had a health crisis a year and a half ago. I didn't see that coming. I had to change my plans. And then now I'm picking some things back up, I laid back down like goats. And like maybe, the, maybe living life in front of people sometimes... I don't know how to say this. I think sometimes people expect your life to play out like a TV show where everything is neat and tidy. And there's a writer that's writing the plot and it's like, Hey, I'm just a regular person living a regular life. Like you, I got sick and I had to get rid of my goats, but now I think I'd like to have goats again. And it's not tidy. (laughs) It's just real.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, and and I, and I think that that is the other side of that equation where, yeah, I think. And, and like, you know, I actually think to, to our guest last week, right? Like, you know, she's talking about kind of like figuring out ways to like, you know, go off Facebook marketplace and find use fencing to keep her ducks from getting eaten. And like, you know, how do you make that struggle versus I'm like, all right, let me just go online and boop, boop, boop. all right, this will yeah. be here in two to three business days. All right, I'm all set. Right. And like, you know, that's a very different situation. So it, it makes it seem unattainable. But then at the same time, the folks like us are the most visible, too and right. and that visibility i think creates a pressure for a lot of folks who are watching it saying well why can't i do that why can't i be like that or it creates resentment to be like ah oh, look at these jerks and look yeah, yeah how, how so easy it is for them it must be nice
0: yeah you know one of my favorite things and i i feel like my viewers are maybe un- i think they're unicorns in the internet world because i have i seriously have the most supportive and uplifting people it's crazy you know Morgan sometimes a whole week goes by and I don't have a single negative comment on YouTube like seriously other than maybe sometimes being like get that fish hook out of your nose you know like you know some random person that just popped into insult must by be nice must you know? be nice <laughs> but, you know like that's but I, I don't I seriously have such positive people do you want to know it blesses my heart more than anything there are a lot of people who tell me I had to stop watching you because I was dealing with resentment But then they come back and they're like, but here I am again, because ultimately the value I see in you is to know that people's dreams can come true. I'm like, that makes me want to cry. Just thinking about it, like what a heart posture to take to watch. And instead of saying, must be nice to say, man, if that can happen for someone else, maybe it can happen for me. And maybe it doesn't, it doesn't all happen the same for everybody. And ultimately, like my hope is to teach people and to provide resources for a community to be able to grow food and to encourage and empower people wherever they are to do what they can, where they are in whatever application. And I, I do have some early videos on Roots and Refuge that you can go back to and see that we had, we had a lot of marketplace time together situations (laughs) that were on our farm. You know, like we, I've done that thoroughly. And even now the grocery store challenge now There are times I choose restriction because it makes me better. Like, and I know that's probably, I I can see how that could be hard to process. Oh, it must be nice to not have restriction. I mean, we still do have restriction because we're doing some really big things. I mean, now we're doing things that cost millions of dollars with these businesses downtown and try to build community resources. I've got a lot of restriction there. But in my own personal life on the day-to-day basis, I'm choosing to incite restriction because restriction makes you creative and it makes you tenacious, you know, like it really tests your want for the thing.
1: I I think that that's right. And I I think that there's like a really good lesson in that because, gosh, I I think I was at an event. I think it was the Homesteaders in New England event back in September when I was talking to some folks about what they kind of call the, you know, homesteading content influencer life cycle, where it's like they start out really simple, really relatable, doing like a couple of tutorials. Then they get bigger and then they're very popular. And then they start doing the weird, crazy stuff. And then they buy 5,000 acres off grid somewhere. Then it's like, yeah, "Yeah, I can't watch them anymore because it's completely not true. And, And like... That seems to be the trap and perception that like everybody falls through. But like, I think to your point, like mm. the more you can constrain yourself, I think the more you're going to find, I don't know, like, like that enjoyment of the struggle and the push again, because it, that's really yeah. where it comes from and doing that hard stuff. Yeah.
0: And that it made us who we are, you know, like and I mean, that was kind of my things with like the goats, you know, we do have we have a couple employees that work here. If I didn't have Will and Wes here working. I wouldn't be feeding all the people that I'm feeding because Jeremiah and I can only do so much. We would have to like downsize massively. We could do that. But then I think of these families that get food from us and I'm like, I'm gonna put their need above what may seem romantic and simple to me. But how can I introduce some romantic outlet? And that was my thing with wanting a couple goats. I want something I can hand milk, something I can manage myself, something that's just for me. And so for me, it's finding that balance of like, I want to grow the larger vision. I was, at a, um, I was at an event, Baker Creek, back in April, and I did a Q&A with Rory Feek. And he asks me, we did not plan what we were going to ask. We're just doing a chat in front of a live audience. And he says, what's the greatest struggle in your life? What's like the hardest thing in your life? You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, and so I just like knee jerk response. I said, my hardest issue is not letting my dream run away with me. And like, there is this juxtaposition. I wanted this life because I wanted simple and unplugged and slow. And then I put it on the internet, which is the absolute antithesis of that. But I see the value. I see the number of people that are touched and what we're capable of doing. And the fact that there are a lot of people who dream of this life that could never have it. But they get to turn on a screen and I get to share a seat at my table for them. And like, I don't want to take that away. Any more than I want to take away from the milk from the families that come and get it. So it's kind of finding this balance of like, how do I do the most good in the world without forsaking the good that needs to be done inside of me, you know?
1: Com- completely. I, I, and I think that that's a really beautiful way to think about it. But I guess the, the question I'd have for you there is, do you ever feel hemmed in and like pigeonholed? To say, well, that's all you can talk about is your homestead and your garden and, like, oh, focus it yeah. then. Like, <laughs> does, that, does that become difficult for you?
0: Oh, yeah. So, actually, I know you know this, but I am um, I just launched. I kind of unintentionally launched. I thought I was going to build it up a little bit more, but a new YouTube channel. Um, and it's it's, you would think that this is in the same vein, but I love cooking. But not necessarily like homestead cooking. Now, I like homestead cooking. I like canning. I like doing all that stuff. And when you're a homestead channel, there's a lot of emphasis on that. The preservation, all these different things. And everybody's always talking about canning recipes. And while I do can some things, I don't want to eat canned food every day. You know, like, I want to eat. I'm going to make a roast duck tonight. And it is going to be amazing. You know, like, I love food. I love fine dining. I love going to places where chefs are taking Local food and making it amazing. I love food, and I love cooking good food. And I've gotten a little lost again, like you're saying. Like I've tried to share that on Rita Refuge, and it it is always ten of ten. Like, so for people that don't know, when you post a YouTube video, it ranks it in your last ten videos. And 10 of 10 is not good. (laughs) You want one of 10. At the very least, you want like five to seven of 10. 10 of 10 is like, what? Why don't they like me anymore? (laughs) All right.
1: So uh, just a total side tangent. Isn't it incredible how a stupid little like number that shows up on a screen on an app can dictate your self-esteem in such a powerful way
0: on a regular basis? (laughs) Yes. Okay. And So for people that don't have YouTube. When you get one of 10 fireworks go off, it's like these little fireworks on the screen, like behind the one of 10. And it's like, you did it. One of 10, 10 of 10. They might as well just put a little graveyard on. It's
1: like, oh, they're like, oh, wait, I, I should get another one of those you suck tattoos just right on my forearm here.
0: And <laughs> it, it stinks because I'm so passionate about cooking. And I'll go to put that on my channel and I'll have a lot of people tell me, we love this. We want this. This is amazing. But it gets like half the views of the other stuff. And then the next video I put out that's gardening doesn't perform as well because the algorithm is mean. And it said, you sucked last time, so you must suck this time
1: too. (laughs) So, So earlier this year, I made a video where... I looked at, you know, because there's this problem within YouTube and social media comments where if you have a larger account, people are going to like copy your account and take your picture and pretend to be you and then respond to the people who are commenting on your videos saying like, hey, text me on Telegram or text me on WhatsApp and do this. And so I decided, let me investigate what actually happens there. Where is that going? Why do people do this? Is there really money to be made? And like, I started talking to these Nigerian scammers and understanding what's going on. You
0: know, like a burner phone Oh, oh yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah burner, I had
1: like all these social great. media. I did the whole deal. And I worked so hard on that video. And that was a 10 out of 10. And it was like so soul crushing because it's like, Sometimes, you know, a video is just like, hey, I'm documenting what I'm doing and sharing with other people. But other times, I don't know if you have this, but for me, it's like a, a personal expression of creativity. Yeah, like, this is sure. me communicating with the world. And like, that actually hurts. I don't know how else to say it.
0: Yeah, it is. It is an interesting thing. Well, I mean, you work really hard on something and you're used to the things like I have videos that I put significantly less work into that do great and thrives because they are the product that my audience is used to. Now, I feel like I have an unusual connection with my audience because of the commitment to authenticity. And I I genuinely love people when I, I mean, I cry so much when I go to events and meet my audience. We all cry together. I don't even put on makeup. Like, we just are going to cry. Like, but it's still, I, it's still true that I'm creating a product. And I'm putting it on a shelf, you know, and it's not a store that everybody sees everything. It's a store that the store decides who sees my product. And so when I make a video, it's a product and it's the store that's selling the product decides who it's going to sell it to. And it's just a weird dynamic. The algorithm and, algorithm is such a weird thing. And then you do have this emotion. I worked really hard on this and now it feels like it was rejected. And
1: yeah, there's like a financial aspect to it. But for me personally, it's not even about that. It, it is actually about, no. the, I, I feel like I'm being personally rejected when that video is getting rejected. And it's it's a hard thing to overcome yeah. for sure.
0: I, I told your Maya, this. So I made this new YouTube channel. It's called The Farmer's Table. Very much like I didn't put Reacher Refuge on any of it. I'm like, I'm going to do this as a new thing. Because, I mean, just from a very logistic standpoint, there are a lot of people that want to cook and eat real food that have no desire to grow it. So they might not want to see 10 videos of chickens and goats and cows and gardens in their algorithm to see one cooking video. Like they might just want to follow cooking channels. So I realized it would probably serve me well to just do this as a separate thing. So I did that and then I made the first video. I edited it. I put it up. And I told Jeremiah, I was like, you know what this feels like? And we're talking about, like, things you're comfortable in and trying to freshen them up and have exciting new endeavors. I was like, this feels like it did when I first started Roots Refuge. It feels like that anticipation and drive, hoping to get a promotion that I might not get. You know, like, and it pushes you. And it's it's exciting. And it, I don't know, it's just been really, really good. I've got all these ideas for videos because I – I mean, I got to try. I got to try to make this well, work. Well, completely. I mean, and,
1: and I and I think, and this is why, you know, I've so often tried to make videos and people get really mad at me, like in the comments. I get like some really mean comments of like, why are you doing this? Just show your dogs. Just show the cattle. Just show the ducks. Like, yeah. And But for me, it's like, yeah, that's what keeps it exciting is to tell a very different story because I love telling stories about the farm and what goes on. But if that's the only thing I talk about, I don't know. Right. It feels like I'm I'm only becoming, you know, two dimensional, and whether it's you know only viewers want that or the, only the algorithm wants it, I don't know. But th- it's yeah. a struggle. Like, how do I find a way for, for there to be acceptance of like kind of me as a whole person? Every-
0: yes. Well, and it, that's beautiful to realize. And as a creator, I I notice there are two different kinds of viewers. There are viewers who genuinely care about me who genuinely are interested in my life. They want to see what's going on. And then there are viewers, like I shared some stuff with my health because I have a platform with 600,000 people and I dealt with some very personal women's health issues and found some very simple solutions that when I realized that they were so simple, I wanted to tell people about it because I know there are other women suffering. And if you know me, you know everything I want to do. I want to help people. So it would make perfect sense that if the channel was called Jessica Sowards, that I would share that with just as much passion as I share how to grow tomatoes. Like, it's important to me, so I want to help people. But I get people going, weird thing to put on a gardening channel. You know, like, (laughs) and it's just, I'm not a gardening channel. I am Jessica Sowards, who has dealt with excess, wonderful excess in tomato growing, as well as soul-crushing health issues that I found some solutions for. And I want to share, you know, like I'm more than what my algorithm is trying to sell me at, you know, like there are some facets here and it's weird. Well,
1: you know, (laughs) here's maybe the most meta thing we can recognize right now. So when I put this video out on YouTube as part of like the podcast, um, I can almost guarantee it's going to be 10 out of 10.
0: (laughs) Yes. But...
1: (laughs) But I feel like if if I was going to point to anything that I have learned this year, like getting comfortable with that has been something I've been trying to push myself on in in that like, yeah, not everything's going to be successful and that's okay, particularly if I feel like I'm still creating something that's going to bring value to at least some people, even if it's not bringing value to all people. It's just a balancing act.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, the thing that I come to is would I do this for one person? Like, would I share that, would I have shared that video about women's health for one woman? I would. I would over and over again. I would do it for one woman. And like, I feel like that's what I, I mean, I tell people that whenever they're starting. I feel like I should start YouTube, but I don't know. I don't know if it'll be successful. I'm like, do it for one person then. Like, be an encouragement for one person. If we had that mindset in the world and how we lived our life, how much better would we all be?
1: Right. You know? Right, but, but let, me, let me just challenge you on that a little bit. So, so okay, every once in a while, doing that one video for that one person, that makes sense, and I, I see you doing that. But what if you start yeah. to make most of your videos for that one person? Do you think you are comfortable with the ramifications of the algorithm gods that would come from that?
0: Probably not. That's why I started another <laughs> channel for my <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it somewhere else where it stands a better chance of actually reaching more people. So yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think for me, the thing that I am willing to do above, like no matter the ramifications, is I want to be honest. Like I want to be authentic, and it kind of brings back. That's why I showed us building our farm fast. We could have pretended. We could have drug out the process and made it look like it was a lot more of a struggle when in fact. We had some money saved, especially from selling our property and some different things that we were able to do a lot fast. And in that, there were ramifications. I mean, like a lot of people didn't like it, but i i would i I would encourage people to demand authenticity over relatability every single time because demanding relatability is demanding other people <laughs> to be like you. I think that instead of being I who I think they that are.
1: that's exactly right and and I think you're only going to be relatable for so long if you're any good like that that's the truth in all of this too like mm. if you're good at what you do if you're good at making content and being relatable you're going to find financial success that financial success is going to inevitably I think drop you in that category for some folks as unrelatable and so like it's either going to be a very short life cycle or it's like you try to like find a way to like Just, yeah, be who you are and as authentic as you can possibly be, because I I think that that is a longer term approach.
0: You know, another application of that, just like something that I've noticed in my life is when I first started homesteading, I would see people like going to events and I had zero relatability to that because I'm like, how do people leave their farms? Like, how to have, how do people have people to watch? We didn't have a homesteading community. We had no friends that could help milk our goats and watch our farm. I could never go away for a week. We didn't go on vacations. We did not leave our farm. And then it grows. And, like, now I get invited to come speak at homesteading events all the time. And at first it was like, okay, I went to a bunch and then we realized we're going too much. So we decided to clear our schedule. Of course, we cleared the schedule for 2020 and it ended up, you know, like not, it, it was a non-issue. Everybody's schedule got cleared, but we had already decided to pull back on the traveling because it was one of those things. I can, but should I? You know, oh, like, I, and, and for me, I I've actually
1: announced. just like very intentionally said, no, I'm not going to. And like, you know, like, I might go to, like, one event a year. Like, that's, like, about, like, what I'll cap at versus, like, yeah, where it's, like, if I see, like, four or five, six events, I'm, like, oh, that would be... I mean, number one, it's not what I love doing. It's, like, it's fun to be immersed in that for a little bit. But, I don't know, for me personally, I just feel so overwhelmed by it. But, two, just the logistics of it are rough.
0: Yeah. Next year, what I decided for next year was that I would go to a few events that led me to places that I had never been so that I could connect with the audience that I never had an opportunity to connect with. Because like I can go to all the events on like the East Coast or the Southeast or whatever in this whole general region. And I love me. I love seeing the same people. I remember people a lot. Like I genuinely really care about my audience and people are always amazed that like I'll remember their name from the previous year or that I'll remember things they told me. But like, I like that. But I, I next year I'm going to Idaho and next year I'm going to Iowa. Like there are a couple of things I'm going to to places that I've never been because I want to meet people that I've never met before and make that connection because ultimately I'm not valuing the honorarium. I would rather stay home when it comes to that. I mean, honestly, like I don't ever go because I'm like, I want to make some money. Like I would I could stay home. If I have the time to stay home, I could probably make more money staying home. I would rather be with my kids than anybody else in the world. So I would, in a lot of cases, I would rather stay home. But the thing I'm putting the value in and choosing to go is that there are people there that I would really like to connect with. And so that's kind of what has become my deciding factor when I think I can, but should I? I And I've decided I want to go to meet people that I've not met. In yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, th- and that to me is is I feel like the cost of my choice of not going often because there is something really nice like just hanging out and talking to people because you know like the parasocial relationship right where you're creating content you're putting out there in the world people feel like they're getting to know you is cool but it sometimes could feel I think a little hollow on both ends versus the like meeting somebody yeah. shaking their hand, taking a picture, having a conversation about some geese problems they're having like that, I don't know. That is yeah. super rewarding to, you know, to be able to do that and see that, oh, yeah, there are real people actually watching these videos, not just bots. That's kind of cool, too. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is the thing that's so overwhelming to me, like when we go and people line up to meet us like I've been known to like get extremely emotional in those moments because I don't know. It's just how my brain works. Like I see the numbers on my computer screen but it doesn't actually really register that that represents human beings who sat down and made a choice to consume the content that i created. and so when i see all these people it's it's kind of this sobering like realization of like oh this is real like we are really reaching so many people and then when they share their stories to me i need it. there's something else that's another thing i will say like When I go to these events, the ones that I do, the value that I'm taking from that is it is solidifying for me the reality of what I'm doing because most of my job is me by myself with my camera.
1: I I remember like the first major event I went to where like, you know, like people started to watch our videos and like I was like texting Allison, like this is crazy humbling just like how that feels to have that interaction with like a real person versus just an avatar and a comment kind of thing.
0: Was that Homesteaders of America? That was that was, like, that was, that was my that first. That was the first time I
1: I really done you. That's
0: the first time I met. That's the first yeah time that I met like here. in person yeah that's right because
1: yeah we, we yeah. talked for a year or two <laughs> before that but like yeah that was the first yeah like yeah and I remember too it was funny there because like seeing you you was like you were like it was like uh, a wedding receiving line kind of thing like everybody lined up to see like the bride <laughs> in the group because like you and Jeremiah were there and, like hi blah, 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 and, like on to the next one like it was like that type of vibe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was the year that I stood in the same place for like seven straight hours one day. Like, it was wild. It was really wild. It went by really fast. Like, by that night, I was like curled up on the couch and just, oh, man, I'm just such a feeler. So, like, when I have, it's so emotional and I love it and I I choose to do it. People are always like, how are you doing? I know you're an introvert. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm here. My head's in the game. But I usually do like just lay in a ball and cry at the end of those. Not, It's not negative. I'm not saying that in a negative sense. I'm a deep feeler. I feel a like. lot. But it's just so much emotion that I just have to kind of like let it
1: <laughs> see yeah, for, for me, it's like, you know, <laughs> when I do something like that or if, like a lot of times lately, we've been having a lot of folks like come and stay at the farm and do stuff, which is actually very fun. I like hosting. Mm-hmm. I like cooking for people. It's like a lot of fun to do that experience. But then when they're gone, like, I'm just like, ah, it's just me and little barn cat here in my office. This is nice. I like this. This is like, and, and it's, it's nice to have those moments too. And it's just, you know, kind of trying to calibrate that right balance there.
0: We have an incredibly interesting life, like the juxtaposition between what it is to be like a homesteader or a farmer, you know, like. To be in relationship with animals most of your day, it's very solitary, you know, like largely versus being a content creator. I don't know that there is a more like, I don't know that there's another niche where that foil is more pronounced, where you have like this lifestyle that's very solitary, but you're putting it on the internet. Straight up Chris
1: Christopherson, walking contradiction kind of deal. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it, And I, I think it's beautiful. I'm so thankful for what it's done. Can you imagine where the homesteading movement would be without media? I don't know that, I mean, it wouldn't be what it is. I mean, this has truly been valuable in a, in a way that I don't know that we can even comprehend. I mean, I think about COVID when everybody had to go into a lot of isolation, they went to the internet and that's how they had community. And that's when homesteading in a lot of ways blew up. But it is interesting. It's a it's a tightrope. It's very much navigating between two very opposing uh, worlds.
1: No question for you on that, because I've been very much fascinated with this lately, where yeah, there was this huge rush to self-sufficiency and creating your own food and being prepared that like, you know, I think COVID spurred a lot of folks into. And, you know, I, I feel like especially in twenty twenty three, you've seen that die down pretty significantly. Do you think that that's going to kind of be an ongoing trend or do you think people are going to kind of continue to sort of be a pendulum swinging back and forth to and fro?
0: It's It's a really interesting thing to discuss because, I mean, obviously it's just speculation. From my perspective, of course, I was doing gardening content primarily. Like, I mean, we have the homestead and stuff. I know you've got like a real emphasis on ducks thanks to the algorithm and, you know, like the... The pets, the dogs, the cats, all that stuff. For me, the thing that the algorithm wanted to make me was the gardener. You know, like that that was it. Interestingly, had you asked me when I started YouTube what I thought the emphasis on my channel would be, I would have told you goats 100%. I knew way more about goats than I knew about gardening. I learned a lot about gardening while YouTubing. My audience taught me a lot about gardening. I mean, I was doing it fairly successfully But I was still learning a ton. Now, with that being the case, when COVID happened, a lot of people turned to gardening. You know, like people in neighborhoods, they started baking sourdough bread and they started gardening. Those were the two things that everybody was like going to try to find out. And I have seen that decline. I've also seen a big influx of people who went and bought land. That's somewhat declining now simply because it's so expensive. I think that actually where the next turn is going to be is, yes, in gardening and growing food, getting chickens, but I think people are feeling the financial crutch. I actually think with the inflation that we're seeing, there's going to be a big push into real food and cooking from scratch. I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, that's a big reason why I want to do the farmer's table. It's why I feel like it's so important to teach people that right now, because when people are struggling to make ends meet... And the prices at the grocery store are wild, you know? And I'm trying to be like, hey, a lot of what you're paying for, for is convenience. Don't buy that box back, of eight oatmeal packets. Buy this bag of bulk oatmeal. Here, I'll show you how to do it, you know? Um, so, I don't know that the pendulum will swing as far as homesteading. I think a lot of the reason why it's died down a lot is just for the cost reasons, you um, I think there are still a lot of people that want to do it. Maybe some have lost their yeah, well, fervor. I mean,
1: so, and, and this is where, and I know we've talked a little bit about this before, but like my my biggest concerns with the homesteading movement as a whole and kind of where it's gone and where it's been going is there's, there's so much reaction to fear and that like I think 2020 spurred people, I mean, and, yeah. and reasonable fear too. So I don't mean to like dismiss it like, ah, oh, these people are just, you know, like, you know, worried. No, people have reasonable fears. And whenever people are gravitating towards something as a fear response, that to me always feels like it's going to be temporary because once that fear gets mitigated or mm-hmm. lessened, you're going to go back to your natural default of like what you actually wanted to do. And, and, and I right. actually think that, you know, there needs to be more of a focus on like just the sheer joy of doing things like growing yeah. your own food or raising your own animals or doing your own cooking or, you know, managing your own woodlot, like all of those things. And, And I I think that that's difficult because, again, back to your point earlier of being slaves to the algorithm, that doesn't play nearly as well, where if you're just trying to showcase joy, those videos are going to be tens out of tens versus the ones out of tens, even though I think that's going to be the stuff that actually helps more people in the long haul.
0: I I agree with that entirely. I, I mean, I've definitely been subject to that, and it's come down to the authenticity of, like, I felt concerned. I don't, I can't say that I felt fear. Anytime like fear really comes up in me, I try to address that like at a heart level of like, why? Because fear just will push you into the worst decisions. And I think that what I've seen is a lot of fear being pushed in the homesteading world. And it does sell. It does really well. I mean, people, it sells in the news. It sells, I mean, fearful headlines. You know this. I mean, like, Negative headlines are 1 of 10 every time. Happy-go-lucky, lighthearted headlines are 10 of 10. Like, and it, I don't know. I guess it can, I want to say, it can be tempting as a content creator to go into that. I don't feel super tempted to go into that. I do try to be honest when I have concerns, but I have always taken the stance of we should aim for thriving rather than surviving every single time and if there ever is a situation i'm so fascinated with world war ii and like history and stuff like that victory gardens if there is ever a situation where we need to buck up and survive if you've been aiming at thriving you've got the skills and the tools whereas if you aim at survival always you may eat canned meat for 10 years unnecessarily yeah i know
1: <laughs> it's I, yeah you see yeah. that everybody buying those buckets of like you know freeze-dried foods and it's like well, if you don't eat it, it's just going to go to waste and there's a good chance it's not going to be the, you know, nuclear apocalypse you think I it know. might be next month. So you might have to add that to your regular rotation. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. And so, like, that's my thing of, like, how do we build a pantry? How do we live in wisdom? I am somewhat of a prepper. Like, I mean, if you actually look at what a prepper does, it's me. I'm it. You know, like, we are, we hit the boxes of people who are prepared. However, I'm roasting a duck tonight. Like, I, my hope has been, let me aim at thriving. I want to eat stuff you can't buy at the grocery store. I want to live fully and wholly, and my body is healthy, and my mind is more healthy because of this lifestyle. And I'm not living in the anxiety of fear because I'm going after thriving. Now, I promise you, if there were ever a situation that demanded survival, we're ready.
1: The The part I struggle with, and this gets back to that you know, not wanting to go negative, but I I will fully admit I often go negative because I know that that's working is, you know, there is that human psychology aspect. And, you know, one of the things that brings me the most joy in the world is telling somebody a story and having them enjoy it and entertaining them and getting them like to feel something as a result of that story. Like that to me is so crazy rewarding. Yet the way that that plays out often in social media in this day and age I think has more of a negative effect than I would like. And so it's like, how do you balance those things? And like an example is this, like the the criticism of a clickbait title or a thumbnail, where I feel like I never try to do clickbait where the thing I say is going to happen in the video, guaranteed. But it's oftentimes yeah. like the monkey paw scenario where you wish for this thing, but it's not exactly the thing you thought I was wishing for. And that's that's yeah. that's fair because I'm trying to subvert your expectations with yeah. the end of the narrative and give you a satisfying conclusion. But I, I don't know. I think that, that in this day and age, that's a very hard thing to do versus, say, have a twist ending in a movie or have a twist ending in a book where you can kind of get away with that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I I didn't a lot of writing through school and to creative writing classes and I mean I can't tell you how many times I would get a paperback and it would say more interesting hook because I'd always feel like I don't want to put people on the on the edge I don't want to cause tension and so I'd try to ease into something I mean you and I writing things and throwing them back at each other you're always like hey move the tension up like you know like lead with it you know like you have to do that and the truth is is that Generations of people have studied the psychology of readers, and people enjoy it more when you hook them, even though it causes some tension on the front end. And so, that's my thing with the clickbait. I will put in the title, I promise you, I will deliver. If you look at a title, if I tell you my house almost burned down, it was because my house almost burned down. Now, how almost you could look at that, like, but. I delivered you know, completely. <laughs>
1: and, and and so again, that's where kind of to your point earlier of like the algorithm dictating what you do, you know, if I'm thinking about, you know, as we're getting into the end of the year here, like resolutions for 2024, I'm probably going to try to find a way where I can kind of almost get that freedom for myself. I mean, like, I, I see you with your new channel. It's like, hmm, I don't know.
0: Well, and I think maybe these things evolve. I mean, like content creation is not what it was when we started. I mean, like there's been the introduction of shorts and reels. And I mean, like the whole Instagram world has changed. YouTube is changing. TikTok has been introduced. Facebook has changed massively. And we have to just be willing to adjust accordingly or acknowledge where we're not going to. Like there are things that I'm like, "Eh, I'm probably not going to do that. I'll focus on doing this. I mean. And it's just finding the balance of being able to create a product that's sellable without giving up the things you're not willing to give up. Like, I won't give up authenticity. I need to do what works for me. I'll never be one of those content creators that make something just for clicks. Like, when I see people making these monstrosities of food that they take a bite of and, you know, they threw it away, I will never do that. Ever. Like, I'll just tell you right now. I don't care how many of these it'll get. I'm not wasting well, food like
1: that. And, and, I, and I think that's a really good advice for anybody listening to this too, because like certain platforms aren't for certain people either. Like I remember sitting in your kitchen and you teaching me how to make butter for the first time <laughs> and me simultaneously trying to get you hooked on using TikTok. And you were just like, eh, I don't know. Like, and I think it's like, that's fine. It's just like, you got to like come to terms with it almost.
0: no! I've had some friends of mine be like, so you mean to tell me a person with multiple million followers on TikTok came to your house, shot TikTok videos, and edited them for you, launched you into TikTok, and you're still not doing it? And I'm like, yes, that is (laughs) exactly what (laughs) I'm telling you. You literally got it given to you on a silver platter. I'm like... Yeah, I know. But no, but you sucks, sucks. like <laughs> you
1: got to be you and and I and I think that that's like there's such a beautiful lesson in that for anybody's out there seeing like what's out there on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or whatever and saying, "Well, I guess I got to do exactly that thing" because I I actually think the next big creators are gonna be the ones who are doing something radically different and wildly distinct and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a crazy live streaming approach to doing homesteading, I don't know. But like, it's gonna come from that. It's not gonna come from doing the same videos that you've done or I've done or like Justin Rhodes has done. Like, it's not gonna play out that way.
0: Well, you wanna know Justin was so successful because he stopped trying to just teach everything and make everything a tutorial. He just started vlogging it. And it, like, revolutionized the homesteading, like, vlog world. I mean, he, like, kind of, in a lot of ways, birthed that. Like, brought it to the table. And I was one of the... I, I don't remember. I, I may be misspeaking on this, but I think that I was probably one of the first women voices in the vegetable gardening world that was also just so laid back and like, hey, you can do this. It's not that big of a deal. But that was the new thing in the world. Now there's lots of people doing that. And that was kind of my thing with the cooking channel is that I started stressing out. I started looking at Joshua Weissman. I started looking at, you know, these people that have 8 million viewers that are doing these awesome videos and they're so cool and lit and edited. And I started thinking, how do I do this? And then I stopped and I'm like, Jessica Sowers, you know better? One, you don't know how to do that. <laughs> you will never know how to do that because you got eight hundred kids and a whole farm to raise. You know, like you don't have time to figure that out. And I stopped and I'm like, you know what? I have to show up in this space as me, the only person I can be, and be honest and authentic and real. Just leave it at that. If it if it flies, it flies. If it sinks, it sinks. But it's the only thing I can actually honestly do, no matter
1: completely. what. And, and and I think that that's such good advice because it's like. Like, as I look at where my passions lie, right, like the things that I'm doing right now are all there and, you know, engaging with my animals and teaching people about the farm and working on the farm and documenting kind of what happens here. That's at my disposal. I can keep doing that. But like, how do I find ways to, I don't know, explore doing more like investigation and like almost like venture in the world of journalism as a form of storytelling? Like, yeah, like those are the things I'm passionate about. And so. If I just look at like Johnny Harris videos or somebody like that and try to like do it exactly like that, I don't think it would be very good. And so it's like, how do I take that and make that me? That's almost the more realistic approach versus, you know, just trying to mimic everybody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that actually asking those questions and exploring them and thinking about logistics is how you figure out the step you're going to take. Like for a long time, for over a year now, I've been really wanting to focus on food. And I've done some different videos about eat real food and kitchen tools. And I've started trying to do recipes. And if you watched all of those, people could look at my process and say, wow, I see how she's been feeling this out. And what I landed on was I'm going to go outside of this and I'm going to start with a whole new algorithm. And I'm just going to cover this passion on food, not necessarily with the emphasis on preservation and what's expected, but just from my real passion. And maybe some people would have a separate channel. Maybe some people, I don't know. I mean, there's a million applications of this, but you really have to find your sauce. Like you have to find the frame that you can be your most authentic self.
1: You know, I really appreciate Jess's friendship as well as her willingness to get into it in that conversation. And hopefully you guys found that conversation insightful too. If you have questions for either Jess or me, be sure to drop them down in the podcast comments, or if you're watching this on YouTube, down in the YouTube comments, I really want to hear what you guys think. And again, this podcast space is always meant to be a little bit different than my videos where I can get deeper on some of these topics that are a bit esoteric and maybe not the interest for everybody. But for me, I find this stuff fascinating. Also, if you're not familiar with Jess, you should definitely check out her content. Uh, you can find her podcast under the Roots and Refuge podcast, uh, pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts. You can also check out her YouTube channels. And I say channels plural. There's both Roots and Refuge as well as the Farmer's Table. I'll leave links for both of those in the show notes of this video. And another interesting bit of trivia is Jess actually wrote the foreword for my new book, Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm. And if you want to check that out, you should definitely check out the book. There's an audio version even where Jess reads the forward, so you guys can experience that too if you want. If you haven't checked out the Audible audio version or any of the other versions, but just one heads up and warning. If you're planning on buying a copy of that book for somebody for Christmas or any other holiday, just know that the orders on the hardcover are so built up at this point. That you like need to get it in really, really quickly, or else you might not have luck getting to that person before, say, Christmas. The paperback is still available, but just heads up on the hardcover. Again, thank you guys all for the support and appreciate the conversation and appreciate you listening. And I will be back again very, very soon with another episode of the Goldshaw Farm podcast. Thanks for listening. It's got a soul this here. Jay, do you, you want to say hi to everybody. Inside my arms. We walk the
0: fields Under the stars for love is here To gold farms